0: I'm Louise. And I'm Camille,
1: your hosts of the Feminist Book Chat Paris, a podcast that explores both feminist literature and feminist issues of past and present.
0: So, as our book aims to explore feminism in the most inclusive ways and as, at the core of its values, the intention to increase the visibility of women who open gates of diversity through their writing, queer culture came up early as one of the themes we would like to explore. So, what does queer culture really mean, and how big is the spectrum of possibilities that the word covers? And how could we introduce it with just one book? Well, it was pretty clear to us that Maggie Nelson could definitely appeal to a wide audience, whether for new explorers, or those who were already identifying as queer, or knew what it could mean. This fantastic poetess, essayist and critic of American art is the author of a non-fiction work in which she frees herself from the shackles and constraints of established literary genders. The organotes blends brilliant autobiographical writing and critical theory and the author Maggie Nelson whose work is often compared to Susan Sontag, a massive compliment in my opinion, um, has asked herself questions about family, gender, sexual violence, etc. So about this book, in regards to format, which Lou will discuss later on, the book is part essay, part autobiographical fiction, and is just full of joy and indignation, often spontaneously angry and empowering. A very special writing style that introduces the readers to authors that she considers as a grandmother. Judith Butler, Susan Sontag, Gilles Deleuze, Roland Barthes, to name but a few. A delicious cocktail mixing intimate story and reflection in a very accessible way, actually. Because the Arcanaut is first and foremost a love story. Two beings who meet and fall head over heels in love. The love is growing, the two bodies are transforming also, and with the mutation of a great question or race, such as what is maternity, how is the gender built, and how to live and shape your family in the margin, out of the norm. If I had to sum it up in a sentence, I'd say the Argonauts is an emotional and empowering trip in one woman's life. Which shows a way to identify and grow out of the society's binary, boring model.
1: Before we deep dive into the kind of big pillars of this great uh, literary work, we just wanted to break down the title uh, because it was it was a title that a few of us had had the question about. Yes, of course. Um, and it and it's super interesting. So just. To make sure that everyone understands um, whether you've read the book or not um, maggie nelson's the argonauts takes its title from the argo the ship uh, from greek mythology um, and so this was a ship that as it traveled on the seas it was uh, gradually rebuilt until each part of it was new but the name remained the same even though the ship transformed and i think you know, for us, transformation is a really significant theme that runs throughout the Argonauts, especially as Camille has just mentioned, in regards to Maggie Nelson's kind of self-questioning into what uh,
0: identity actually means. So let's start with identity. Exactly. So uh, on an identity and gender, uh, first diversity, something I really liked about Maggie Nelson's writing is just a capacity to bring such personal details and intimacy to our readers as well as keeping them aware that this is only her life and therefore it doesn't apply to everyone. It's a difficult task to tell your story, to illustrate queer culture in one of its many formats without coming across as preachy or know-it-all. She points out very clearly that she's not a terroristian and that her mission is not to impose a specific vision of what queer culture should be, but only the questions that have shaped her way of living out of the norm. Her definition of queer, um, well, through the book, the author shows her experience of constructing a life out of your comfort zone where the society doesn't expect you to be. Loving someone who transitioned from male to female or from female to male, not identifying on a binary basis or raising someone else's child, my maternity outside of the traditional scope of how to be a good mother books, mm. etc. And it's exactly through these live events that the queer notion rises. In fact, there's no rule or clear definition. However, on page 119 of the French version, I don't know about the English version, (laughs) Maggie Nelson seems to give an interesting definition. She defines queer family as establishing a queer family as an umbrella category under which baby-making can be a step rather than the other way around. Not set off relationships and practice have the monopoly of so-called normality or radicality.
1: Yeah, which when you hear it like that again, like we say quite often during the book club sessions with the authors,
0: it makes total
1: sense and it sounds so simple. I love it.
0: Exactly. So what you mean here? is that the refuse of all type of heteronormativity structure within her family construction making, including the way that the society says you have a family once you have kids. Mm. For her, peers, friends, colleagues are as important pillars of the family as children. Just before jumping to something else, I'd like to recommend a book of essays called Narrative Theory Unbound, Queer and Feminist Intervention, from Robin Worrell and Susan Lenzers, which gives a really interesting try on defining queer culture. So, quoting them, Queer aims to understand, analyze, and rectify heteronormative systems and practices, and their attendant binary assumptions about sex, Gender and sexuality. Hmm. Which I think just says it all and gives a lot to think about.
1: Yeah. Is that translated into French?
0: Of course, of course. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, another thing about gender on the notes is about how deconstructing what has been constructed isn't <sighs> easy. Yes. Yeah. So, as Judith Butler or Monique Wittig might have taught you before, deconstructing the norms and the identity that's been internalized is not an easy task. And the honesty Maggie Nelson brings to the table is just one of many of the reasons why you'll get close to her in just a few lines. Mm-hmm. So she really admits her struggle in putting away all types of normative thoughts that have been interiorized since just forever. So it offers some reassurance kind of in facts to the fact that we all struggle Mm. like it's a real thing not it's not because you know you you really aware of your condition that you don't struggle with it you know
1: yeah, of course I think I suppose something that I didn't necessarily get a sense of um in in the book was perhaps how their kind of friendship circle yeah maybe um how they felt about Harry and Maggie. Yeah. I think that was just like the one thing missing for me.
0: But yeah. Must have gone well if she didn't talk about it, but. Yeah, she must have a really cool group of friends. But still she's struggling and even like, look at us, we're trying to label on something like queer, which main definition is wanting no label. So so yeah, yeah, it's all about always this like urge to identify. Yeah. So, yeah, this eternal quest for clear and confirming identity, like when it comes to Harry, a boyfriend who is transitioning whilst Maggie writes the book, it gives us so much food for thoughts as how we see uh, identity as the fundamental basis of one's blossoming in society, the urge to fit and to be recognized when it could or should not be obviously be so she shows with love and understanding how transitioning isn't necessarily a quest for identifying as the opposite sex yeah. some things cisgender might not understand at first because once again we've been raised to fit in somewhere as known and established yeah i
1: think it can make people certain people feel quite uncomfortable but...
0: of course and and so this way Aries goes from the so-called female to male without confirming to either binary model so he says very clearly actually that he isn't going from a to b but more from like a to free which i think is is it's i really
1: like yeah i I mean i just love that I, i loved so much of it but that was a very accessible way to sum it up
0: i think so yeah And so just to finish with identity and the use for people to identify as something specific, Nelson quoted an almost funny Butler, Judith Butler's life experience. It's sadly funny. So Judith Butler um, always declared that one shouldn't want to identify as a specific body and sexuality. And even though this conviction figured permanently in all of her writing, she ended up being identified by everyone as the lesbian figure of the third feminist wave, which for me highlights that instinctive urge that we have to put people in boxes. Yeah,
1: I'm going to hop on the microphone and talk a little bit about family, maternity, motherhood, how this is represented or written about um, by Maggie Nelson in The Argonauts. Um, I think for me something really beautiful that is expressed very clearly from the get-go in this book is that, and this is something that was said um, during the session at Shakespeare and Company, those physical changes that both Harry and Maggie go through Mm -hmm. um, while she's writing the book do not take anything away that had once been there. There's no removal. Um, It's actually the opposite. Uh, The transformations that they both undertake add these really kind of enriching layers to to their relationship. So yes, you understand that their identities are shifting, but their essence stays the same. And I think for me that that was quite a refreshing concept to come across. It made me wish that that was the mainstream way of thinking. And so when you think of motherhood, it was actually English Flora who brought this up during our book club session uh, quite often something that is commonly projected onto women and also felt by women themselves is this idea of identity Mm pre-baby and post-baby quite often you know the end goal is to have a baby to be a a mother but not everyone has the same way of getting there and not everyone wants the same thing. So not everyone wants to have a baby. Not everyone feels a yearning desire to be um, a mother. Uh, So I think she was really good at recognizing that. Yeah, she shared like this really eye rolling anecdote. Um, It's on page 46 of the Melville House English edition. Uh, So she's going back to work uh, shortly after having her baby Iggy, love that name. And she bumps into one of her superiors in the canteen who, upon learning that she has a newborn, just takes it upon himself to go into this story about another female colleague who had a baby and then got bored for about two years um, in her renaissance research, which was her academic um specialty uh but hey guys happy ending because you know after around two years this female colleague's interest in her work finally came back and that just really I'm I'm sure he thought he was being encouraging and positive but quite frankly for me this is an example of um unnecessary intervention Mm -hmm. from men um and I think it highlighted a lot about the different role that men and women have when it comes to raising children. We are all aware of this, but men can have a family, but it doesn't impact them in the same way that uh, it does the woman. So throughout uh, the Argonauts, Maggie Nelson references uh, D.W. Winnicott several times he was an english pediatrician and psychoanalyst who wrote four books on babies and children love her honesty she's very honest about how much she loves his work and has actually followed some of his methods Mm -hmm. in regards to iggy although she points out that the irony is not lost on her that the majority of literature about raising babies has been written by men Mm -hmm. it features four words by men and quite often in the case of co-authoring where the author's wife will have a part it's more often in the footnotes the side notes in the margin in the margin yes doesn't that say at all so she 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 really points that out and raises um raises a really good question of why Why doesn't she herself seek out more childcare books that are written by women? Mm-mm. And I think this is something that has been very inbuilt as well in us. Uh, even the fact of starting this book club and this podcast, it was very much like making room for female authors on the bookshelf because okay. school curriculums, um, there's just a lot of space. Given well, to, I
0: think it's like giving giving places to for women to have a voice and like louder the vo um uh, no louder the voice of oh yeah women, uh but also, increase like but also more than female uh just all types of minorities I think just all the voices that have been lowered for too long because I feel like uh, yeah that have been
1: diminished or yeah, quiet because yeah. I don't
0: know if Maggie Nelson's obviously applies to female although she definitely applies to some minorities that have their voice lowered. So I think that's why it matches our purpose. Yeah, and
1: again, it just shows her own self-awareness, how she can fall into the same traps Mm. of reading and feeling an affinity uh, for something that is written by a man but won't necessarily go and seek out uh, something that's written by a woman. So that was really interesting. And then also something new I learned whilst reading this book is the fact that it is possible to have um sexual feelings whilst breastfeeding a newborn.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of like shocked me that I never heard about that before. Me that too.
1: I was like I'm 33. I'm obviously I haven't
0: had any children. And I, I, I'm still learning about mm-hmm. female anatomy. Yeah, and in the same in the same time I was like only her could have been dishonest with this kind of like things happening in life because most of most authors or things you learn about maternity are just like it's all cool. It's and like you yeah. we don't give details about the bad parts of it or the weird parts of it because it's definitely something you should be like like breastfeeding is for something most people are shamed of like people shame people that do oh, breastfeeding sure and- like breastfeeding in public spaces. Yeah. And so obviously we don't talk about these kind of mm-hmm. things they're mostly
1: But then you can also be shamed for not breastfeeding as yeah. a woman, you know, like you're denying your
0: Well, this is a whole like This isn't the
1: conversation. Is. Yeah. But um yeah, so definitely something that we both learned and I think a couple of other people mm-hmm. in the session were not aware of. And uh I'm going to be honest, this is something that would have terrified me if I'd have learnt about it when it happened. Like just by it happening to me. And like you just said, Camille, often the birthing story is just the positive um, and nothing else. And so this is not something I've ever heard my girlfriends who do have babies talk about. Okay, they're not obliged to and maybe it hasn't happened to them. But yeah. Uh, Yeah, this was really the first time at 33 33 years old that I was hearing about this. So basically, what is this? It's that the hormones that the body unleashes when a woman breastfeeds are actually the same hormones that are released when you're having sex. Um, Once again, as Maggie Nelson does constantly throughout this book, she has digested this particular thing that's happened to her. She's not saying it should be taken as general advice. And she doesn't push away or deny the feelings that are happening. Rather, she acknowledges that there is an erotic side to the situation, but also the fact that she feels no impulse whatsoever to act upon them while she's breastfeeding her baby son. So again, for me, she's breaking down that binary. She's breaking down what is the norm. Uh, Because I... generalization but i feel like quite often if someone feels uncomfortable or embarrassed about a situation a knee-jerk response can be like to shame or shut down the other person who has caused the these feelings um so basically thanks maggie nelson
0: so yeah just to precise it's like um sexual feelings that don't apply to your baby of course, it's just like sexual feelings in general. Yeah, like the
1: the surge of hormones. Exactly. So yeah, to kind of sum up this was for me a very refreshing take on the subject of motherhood. Just a quick book recommendation for you. Um Motherhood by Sheila Hetty, which we actually read in book club pre Shakespeare and Company sessions. Which is
0: great. It's it's really great. It's in the same like honesty vibe and like raising questions you would be ashamed to ask about or that other, other mothers wouldn't have ever told you about.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically one woman who's in her mid to late 30s. And the whole book is about her decision process as to whether or not to become a mother.
0: So, next part on my side is gonna be on relationship, um, love relationship, how Maggie and Harry uh, dealt with uh, Harry transitioning. So, um, Maggie and Harry fell deeply in love as soon as they met. They got married, they found a home where they could live as a family with Harry's son, a boy from a previous union. When Harry identified as Harriet, uh, so as a female before, In order to get pregnant, uh, Maggie turned to artificial insemination of course, and after multiple failure, she explains that she finally fell pregnant with Iggy. So the uniqueness and complexity of this fabulous love story is that as Maggie was trying to get pregnant, Harry was going through his own physical metamorphosis with a double mastectomy and regular testosterone injections. It's, it's just mind-blowing. It's something you would never expect. It's, you, just, you don't know how you would have felt if you were at a place. And it's so interesting. And it's, it's even more interesting because it's, it poses a parallel between the authors having a life grow in a uterus whilst Harry, her boyfriend, was in the process of removing the feminine aspects of his body. His uterus is literally shriveling up, just highlighted how weird life can be sometimes. And I don't know, it, it must be so complicated. Like, life is just enough complicated when you want to have a baby in a regular seashore, heteronormative uh, relationship. And still, they're a couple in peace acceptance and freedom reigns and it's it's really astonishing um how how much strength is in their love and quoting them quoting maggie nelson at some point she defines themselves as two animals transforming one after the other without pressure of the other Mm. which is kind of cool it it really sums up how the the respect for each other each Each of them, solitude and and process and body changes. So, and as she's not a storyteller, rather a resolutely speculative mind to put in words and to expose sometime quite explicitly her love story with Harry as for her interest, necessity and justification, only if this story raises reflection, questions and hypothesis. So from page to page, they abound and vibrate, they bounce and surprise, they electrify and passionate, actually, and and mostly just confuse and convince at the same time. So it's about love sentiment, feminism, and still the patriarchal society, like gender, identity, queer, and the delusion of its subversive potential and social norms. So, um, what I like is how we, how we follow up not on their steps as a couple, but also like on Maggie's question in building up a family of hers. Just has in when she talks about maternity, um, Mm -hmm. here she talks about relationship and she's really honest. Yeah, and in a pregnancy process, she at some point question is there not something essentially queer in the pregnancy itself, in that. It profoundly alters the normal state of a person. It still blows
1: my mind that a, a human grows inside another human, basically.
0: Yeah, definitely. So so yeah, as you say, there's no answer to this, but it gives interesting food for thoughts, right? Mm.
1: It's that questioning the, the norm and the binary. Again?
0: Exactly. And that's why this this type of book is just so essential. Anyway, she also highlights that we tend to perceive transition as death of one and the rise of another. So explain. Yeah. So
1: like, it's kind of like how we were saying at the beginning you kind of have to reject or something goes away as opposed to it still being a part of you, but it's like part of the foundation which you're built on. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Like the female dies, the men rise. Yeah. Or the opposite. And last bite on relationship and acceptance. Um, a beautiful quote at the beginning of the book that in my opinion said very much on how the relationship work, and, and really inspired me. Just I felt like I knew that before. I, I wished... I couldn't know that before. She says, I feel like I can give you everything without losing myself into you. It is a privilege that one obtains by respecting the other's solitude.
1: I mean, that really, yeah, that didn't speak to me. It sung to me. I think um, there's something about like this idea of two people becoming one, exactly. which is so not... How it is and it's not how it should be and keeping your own separate identities and independence and then obviously having the things that you can share together mm-hmm. I think for me that's a it's a really important quality of a relationship that can work however you identify
0: of course and I mean maybe for people that are mature in their love relationship it sounds just totally typical but no one writes that down and I feel like for people who are in their first love relationship or are really intense in relationship um, this is always a good advice or always a good line to read and to remind yourself
1: yeah I agree passing it on to you over to me so I'm just gonna finish up uh briefly talking about the book format, because to be honest with you, this was a new format for me to get to grips with. Uh, Definitely pushed me outside of my comfort zone. Uh, So in case you haven't read the book, Maggie Nelson actually writes in paragraphs instead of chapters. it it, it does go well together the paragraph critical theory combination because it helps the reader to interpret her writing on their own terms I think if she'd have written in a classic kind of chapter essay section then again it for to have things so neatly defined it would have just gone against what the whole book is about um so the text is also chock-a-block of prominent philosophers, journalists, gender theories, lots and lots of quotes. Uh, there's more, that was just a few examples. Um, but they're very well highlighted and there's no footnotes, it's just uh, kind of italicised and then the author is mentioned on the left-hand side. So it's not very invasive, but it's there, and but it's not overwhelming.
0: And also I think it's really cool because for once... Um... She's not scared of like quoting so much people. I think it's like she considers them as part of her story, as yeah. part of how she it's all very stuff. fluid. And and that's why she's just she's she's just so interesting because she's out of this like narcissistic mm. uh, type of authors that would rather pa- uh, paraphrase mm. instead of quoting. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I you appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
1: so despite my own personal challenge of reading the Argonauts. i did however find that maggie nelson's narrative there's a clear logical path um so by that i mean to say that you know she's not just randomly jumping from one thing one topic of conversation to another uh, it, it 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 is it's logical it's linear and also I think as you've just touched upon, Camille, the way that she weaves her own personal narrative and experience in with the critical thinking and the quotes in such a natural fluid way. I mean, I knew I was reading something brilliant, even yeah. if something I had even if it was something I had to go back and sometimes reread or close the book and think about yeah. it. Or go and look up the person that she had just quoted. Um it yeah, it's fluid. Um, But I think something that came out of the book club discussion um, or that became clearer is that the writing form and style is actually intentional. It could be an intentional technique employed by Maggie Nelson, uh, which just further worked to break down all these norms and these traditions that society has constructed. You know, language is often used to clearly define or categorize things, but Maggie Nelson is living a life that is so far removed from what one tends to consider as conventional. So she has to somehow communicate that inexpressible because she's writing about a lifestyle that so few of us actually know, experience, or even come into contact with. So by avoiding the expected literary structures or path, Maggie Nelson helps to encourage us to move away from that binary thinking. Um, and I think this helps one to open their mindset, especially in relation to queer relationships, queer lifestyles. Um, what some people would sadly still consider to be non-conventional relationships.
0: Yeah, and even just on life, on maternity, on motherhood. I mean, she gives like pieces of information that everyone is concerned about. No, Like no matter the the identity, no matter... You know it's oh
1: yeah i mean it's about everything obviously one of the reasons that we picked this book was because of the queer uh exploring what queer means or introducing um queer you can to people
0: to everyone, but you can- yeah you can talk to everyone right
1: absolutely um and i think just to finish if you take a larger step back and look at her portfolio of work Um, it's obvious that she's not going to be pigeonholed as a particular type of author because she's written memoir, she's written poetry, philosophy, critical thinking, and her subject matter bridges art, violence, abduction, murder, heartbreak, love. So for me, she really is fluid in every sense of the word. And I loved that. I think you're gonna take us through some conclusions.
0: Yay. so a few takeaways um, I think to conclude on this fabulous piece um, there's a few things that really got us passionate about this reading uh, first the way she challenges unconscious conventional notion and behaviors yeah without fear or of getting intimate yeah. I think this is why she succeeded in getting so much readers to understand her she's human and she does struggle Hmm. and by exposing all aspects of her life without fear of sharing intimate feelings she deep dives us in all the aspects and dimensions of what queer culture covers family love relationship maternity motherhood public sphere and its institution like wedding gender conformity transitioning um So it's just like all the struggles of identity and family construction in a non-confirming gender environment. Mm -hmm. And um, other than this, uh, obviously the format, uh, as uncategorizable as her life, uh, which I think is totally coherent. And of course, her sincerity and love that I think will inspire more than one in the way they aim to build relationship in the future. I hope so. I'll definitely consider what she says in acting in my own life further in life. Um, So that's, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. And for more info about the FBC Paris, you can follow us on Instagram at the FBC Paris. And if you got any question for us or our guests, feel free to tweet us at the FBC Paris. The sign-up link for our fortnightly newsletter is in both our Instagram and Twitter bio.
1: Thanks for listening. Join us in two weeks' time when we'll be talking about Dr. Brittany Cooper's *Eloquent Rage*.
0: Bye.